HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. I'm Ethan Frisch for Heritage Radio Network on tour, and we're here at the Good Food Mercantile in Brooklyn, New York. This coverage is supported in part by the Julia Child Foundation for Gastronomy and the Culinary Arts. I'm here with Kurt Altpeter. Altpeter? I'm here with Kurt Alpeter, who's the president and partner at Runamock Maple. Kurt, thanks for joining me. Hey, thanks. It's great to be here. So, so tell us the story. What is Runamock Maple? How did you get involved, and uh, how long have you been doing it? So I, um, I've been involved for three years. The company's been around for about three years, and uh, it's a uh, kind of the genesis of uh, creating a brand around maple. Um, there really has never been a brand nationally created around maple, and the idea of using maple from a culinary standpoint. And so the idea of sort of putting it in a more, it's an iconic product, and it's been in this brown jug forever. So the idea of sort of, you know, essentially creating a beautiful package with a beautiful product, and then the idea of infusing it or barrel aging it or smoking it, which is primarily what we do, and making it a culinary ingredient. So think cocktails and desserts and glazes and marinades, and really using it in a much different way than traditionally just pancakes and waffles. 
were you a, a big Maple fan before you got involved with the company? Well, uh, yes, but not as in I, I didn't grow up in Vermont. I didn't grow up in New England. I'm from Ohio, so um, I didn't. I don't have it in my blood like most Vermonters and New Englanders do. Um, but it's very interesting. It's it's now um, I laugh because my kids it, they do have it in their blood, and um, the whole idea we don't frankly use it as much on pancakes as we do in everything else. I mean, we've gotten to the point where we put it on everything just because there's so many ways to use it. What are some of the, the more creative ways that you've come across to use maple? Yeah, so one uh, really fun way to use it that's super simple is um, to make hot wings. And you take a cardamom-infused maple syrup, cut it with half um, uh, uh, Frank's hot sauce, put it in the oven, you know, and uh, let the hot wings cook up, bring it out, flipping around with uh, the maple and uh, Frank's hot sauce, sprinkle a little cilantro on it, and it's just amazing, you know. Would you walk us through the, the maple syrup making process? How do, how do you harvest the sap from the trees? What happens next? Sure, so um, the sugaring season is very seasonal. It's very um, weather-driven, right? It's generally from about January to late um, April, depending on the uh, year. And um, on average, it takes about 40 gallons of sap to make one gallon of maple syrup. And um, most of the commercial uh, uh, producers now use lines instead of the buckets, which is sort of the old time way of doing it. Um, we run about 80 to 90,000 taps um, every single year. So it takes us you know, several months to get the entire sugar bush tapped. And all those lines um, channel into the sugar house where all that uh, is processed. And essentially what you're looking for is spikes in temperature, you know, that get upwards of, you know, top in the 30s or to 40 degrees and then freeze again at night. And that freeze thaw at different times of the year allow the sap to run. And as soon as the trees start to bud out, the season's over. And that can happen in early April. It can happen in late April. But that's basically the cycle. What what happens in the sugar house? What does the what does the sugar house look like? Well, it's every sugar house is very different. Some of them have dirt floors and uh, uh, wood fired uh, evaporators. Um, ours is very much a modern. It's um, about uh, 10, 11 years old. Um, it has a giant evaporator, and essentially what happens is the sap runs into the sugar house. We RO it, which pulls most of the water out of it, which just makes it more um, environmentally friendly to um, uh, boil down. It takes a lot less time. So we boil the concentrate and it's you're literally just boiling water out of it. And if you boil it out, you get syrup. You boil it a little further, you can get cream. You boil it further, it goes to candy. And if you take almost all the water out, you get maple sugar. And those are kind of the four main maple products that you've got out there. What does the sap taste like before you boil it? Well, it's it's primarily water, so it's think of it just like a sweet water is really what it what it is. Um, uh, it's literally um, pulling the sap not sort of down from the tree, but it's pulling it up, um, and it's it's very good actually. There's some great companies out there that are actually producing beverages that are made just from the raw sap. And, and you have to reduce it quite a bit, right? What's the ratio of? Eight percent or something like that. It's a, it's an incredible amount of uh, water that you're pulling out of that product. That's why we RO it to start because you'd be boiling it for a long time to get all the water out if you don't. What does it smell like in in the room when it's boiling? It smells amazing. It smells amazing when you're boiling the sap and making the base uh, maple syrup. And then we infuse a lot of our products. So you know we have a cinnamon vanilla or a cardamom or a ginger infused and. When we're producing any of those flavors, it just it smells amazing when we're doing it because we use all the raw ingredients, so it's very um, aromatic. 
you have a background not not in food. Uh, in in tell tell us about your background. Yeah, so my background is in um, software and the internet space, and um, I had left my job looking to either start something on my own or partner with something. And it's kind of a longer story, but Eric and I met. Um, uh, our Sugarbush is part of a uh, uh, National Audubon and Audubon Vermont uh, bird friendly certified. Um, think of like certifying for organics. This is certifying for bird friendly uh, maple sugar bushes. So. I was involved with that, met Eric, he was looking to get Run Amuck started, I was looking to do something really organic and start up and it just, we kind of struck it off from there and it's been a ton of fun and successful since. Have you found uh, any overlap between your previous career and, and what you're doing now? Yeah, in the end, I mean, business is business, right? Whether you're making software or producing um, uh, maple syrup. So Eric has a law degree and so he's an attorney by trade. I have a sort of a business um, background and it's really been a great blend. Um, his wife, Laura, again, is the culinary side of the equation. And we've hired a really amazing team of folks that have been uh, in the maple business for a long time. So we've got a lot of sort of industry knowledge, we've got a lot of the business, and then we have a lot of the creative and culinary side as well. So a lot of overlap and a lot of synergy there. Um, how did you, how do you come up with the flavors that you, you use for your infusions? So we get flavor suggestions all over. In fact, just here at the Good Food uh, Mercantile, we had um, someone bring up, you know, infusing maple syrup with cacao. And um, there's just, you know, Laura again is sort of our creative um, person behind it. And we've tried, there's probably, you know, a, a graveyard of hundreds of uh, different flavors. I can tell you one that, you know, don't infuse maple syrup with wasabi, doesn't work. Thought it might be a good idea, but it didn't. Um, but we look at what's going on in culinary trends. Um, again, Laura's really um, uh, good with it. We do a ton of experimenting and we just you know, try it out and see what works. And um, even with something as basic as our cinnamon vanilla, a lot of it comes down to sourcing of ingredients. We probably tried 50 or 60 different vanillas and cinnamons to get the actual one we like because the variation in ingredients out there is pretty significant. Um, you you had a big break very early on in the company. Tell tell us that story. Yeah, so it was pretty exciting. We we launched in April of 2016 and had just gotten things rolling. We had applied to get into the fancy food show and um, they were sold out. And we got a call about June 1st and they said, "Hey, there's an opening. Do you want to come?" We barely had literature. We candidly were still debating whether we were going to call ourselves Run Amok Maple or not. And we just said, you know what, let's do it. Like, kind of saying it's maybe this is fate. And um, we went into the new products pavilion. Um, and, you know, as Oprah's team does, they go around looking for products. Something jumped out about our product with them. And uh, we ended up uh, a month later being selected as one of Oprah's favorite things. And as you would guess, it just hockey sticked, you know, the whole business and everything and got us a lot of exposure more than anything, uh, which was amazing. So that was a lot of fun. What, what was Oprah's favorite thing? What, which, uh, which syrup did she like? Yeah, so it was hibiscus, uh, bourbon, and um, cinnamon vanilla, and it was in a gift pack. It was this beautiful um, black box with a magnetic uh, closure, so it was sold as a, a gift set, um, obviously around the holiday time. And so that product you know, did really, really well, but it also got sort of these unique different flavors and just thousands of people's mouths. And that's with our product, um, like 
many products, it's different, it's unique, and someone isn't necessarily gonna spend you know, 17 or $20 until they taste it. And so getting this out as a gift into tons of people's you know, um, kitchens and trying it and experimenting with it really had a kind of a long tail effect for us to get people to say, okay, this is actually kind of cool. I can do a, you know, a hibiscus uh, maple syrup on you know, blue cheese for an appetizer that's super simple but really different. What are some of the, the most surprising uses you've seen people using your syrup for? Yeah, well, um, tons of different cocktail ideas um, with it. Um, we've actually been experimenting with one of the distillers here at the show, but um, one of the funnier ones is smoked maple syrup and tuna fish. Um, it is, sounds a little weird, but something about smoky and sweet with a little bit of the salty and the uh, tuna. Um, smoked maple on a uh, uh, grilled cheese sandwich is amazing as well. Um, the whole cardamom that I mentioned earlier with Frank's hot sauce, like it was just a random thing and uh, it's just really, really tasty. So, you know, it's there's, with maple, because it has not been used in really that many creative ways over the years, it's kind of a, you know, blue ocean, not to use an overused term, but it's just, there's a lot of room for growth in that. Maple seems like such an iconic ingredient. Why do you think it hasn't been used more? Why, why isn't it on more menus outside of a stack of pancakes. Yeah, sure. It's um, it's an expensive product, right? I mean, it's uh, forty plus dollars a gallon for a um, for maple syrup. That's for even plain maple syrup, and it's a bit of a provincial product. So unless you're from maybe the Upper Midwest or New England, it's just not a product that yet has gotten completely all over the country, and that's changing dramatically. And um, with the growth in um, uh, maple production, there's been a major, major spike in the last five years um, in maple production. So that's getting the product out there. And then, you know, all kind, you know, every segment of the food industry is always looking for new and better things. And maple is right now, um, you, you, ice cream stores, you'll see maple. Coffee and tea shops, you'll see it. All the bars, you're starting to see it. And even, you know, the Starbucks and the Dunkin' Donuts now are doing maple lattes and maple things. So it's just taken time, and I think largely because it's been an expensive, you know, provincial product. So, what what is uh, pancake syrup, or what like what what are most people using that they think is maple but actually isn't? Yeah, outside of New England, I mean, if you go to the grocery store, three quarters or more of the um, aisle for maple syrup is either log cabin or Aunt Jemima, and it's not maple syrup. It's actually there's no maple in it. It's um, a high fructose corn syrup that's flavored to taste like maple, and you know, unfortunately for the bulk of the country, that's what most people grew up on. And, and that takes a long time to break those taste patterns and whatnot. But um, it's, a, it's incredible though for us because if even little portions of that start to come over to real maple syrup over the course of the next few years, it's a crazy amount of growth and opportunity, which really makes it fun. What, what do you think uh, are, are some of the obstacles to making that happen and how are you gonna overcome them? So certainly historical taste buds, you just, you know, anyone who grew up on that, um, I wouldn't say maple is an acquired taste, but real maple is not high fructose corn syrup. There's a difference in the taste, right? And so it just takes time for folks to get that. The other is just the perception that maple is um, very much just a breakfast, maybe around the holidays, pancakes and waffles, and that's it. And so as people start, you know, thinking differently in that regard, but then also seeing flavor-based maples or infused or barrel-aged, now they start to get, all right, it's not just for breakfast, and real maple is actually much better than fake. You know, that's what we're seeing. And just in the three years that we've been um, uh, doing this on the Runamuck maple side, we've seen that just like dramatically shift. I mean, cinnamon, as an example, cinnamon, vanilla, and uh, bourbon barrel-aged are incredibly 
common now relative to where they were a couple years ago. So it's exciting. We're already seeing that movement in that direction. Where did, where did the idea come from to, to age the maple in bourbon barrels? There's, there's a couple different companies um, and producers that started it. Um, I mean, certainly with everything that was going on with barrel aging, you know, three, five, ten years ago, it was kind of a natural progression to kind of say, well, gosh, you know, let's try maple. I mean, maple and spirits, you know, have always been something that people have been drawn to. And with the boom in sort of craft distillery and, and barrel aging in general, it was kind of a natural progression. Um, I'll say the one thing that's really different is um, Maple syrup is hygroscopic, and so what it does is it sucks the moisture out of the barrels, which is great for imparting flavor, but it dries the staves out, and you cannot get it to not leak. Like, you know, aging product is hard, right? It sits for six, nine months or more, and, uh, you know, which is, it really gets great flavor, but it's, it's very tricky because it, it is a mess and the barrels leak and it's virtually impossible to stop it from happening. So it's, it's uh, labor intensive to say the least. So what do you do? How do you, how do you collect the maple that leaks out or how, what do you do about it? We, it's very hard. We've tried a lot of different ways. There's a few more techniques that we're going to try to see what we can do. There's temperature and a variety of different things that you can do. But um, maple is, is a simple product, but it's also a very complicated product in that there's very precise standards around it. So you can't, for example, just uh, uh, soak the barrels because that moisture will end up in the maple syrup. It drops the density and you're out of spec um, type of thing. So unfortunately, there's a lot of loss or too much loss right now. And that's a big part, both just in general, you don't want to waste it, but financially we don't either. So it's an ongoing process that all the folks that do barrel aging are still sort of wrestling with out there. So TBD on that one. Uh, where can our listeners uh, learn more about your company and, and find your product? Sure. Well, runamuckmaple.com is um, our website. We do a lot uh, with e-commerce. You can find us on Amazon. Um, all the Whole Foods um, around the country carry um, carry us, and we're in every state and a lot of small independent and specialty food stores as well. Kurt, thank you very much for joining us. This is Heritage Radio Network on tour. I'm Ethan Frisch, host of the Why Food podcast. Uh, thanks for joining. Thanks for having me.